You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. I'm Chris McPherson, indeed, joined in studio by Fran Duffy and Alex Smith. Alex, good to see you again. Uh, we missed you. Good to have you guys back. Yeah. Thank uh, you. I, uh, I stayed up way past my bedtime when you guys weren't here. I was left all by myself. <laughs> Listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Yes, yes. Yeah, it was a nice lullaby. But, uh, there you go. No, I was left all by myself, but uh, didn't burn the place down or anything like that, so I think, uh, I think we're okay. Did a good job, and uh, Fran, feels like old times. Yeah, about a long time no see. see exactly. So it's, uh, it's good to be back in the Eagles Insider podcast saddle, though. Yes, uh, so while we were gone in Indianapolis covering the NFL Scouting Combine, some good Eagles news uh, came along the way. Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson met with the media, touched on a variety of different topics, so we haven't really had a chance to dish into all that. We will do that. Uh, Of course, we had a chance to watch the prospects work out in Indy. We will cover that on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA, which will drop on Wednesday with a complete recap of the NFL Scouting Combine. And then Fran, you have Eagle Eye in the Sky coming on Tuesday after a hiatus last week. What do you have coming on your podcast? Uh, Greg Cosell and I are going to catch up and talk about the value of sub-package players. And it's a really interesting conversation, and it's based upon uh, some of the top players in the draft. All right. And then Thursday, the Eagles Live podcast with Dave Spadaro will come your way. So wherever you listen and consume the Eagles network of podcasts, thank you very much for doing so whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbay, wherever. Uh, make sure to rate and comment and let us know what you want to hear on future podcasts. So on today's program, uh, three and out, we're going to delve into basically what uh, Doug and what Howie said while in Indianapolis, and then uh, your questions on mailing it in. So let's get right into the action on three and out. One, two, three, three. Three is a magic number. Now it's time for three and out. All right, so let's start things off in three and out with the quarterback situation. And it's been a very fluid one in Philadelphia. We all know that Sam Bradford is set to become a free agent on March 9th. Now, as we're recording this on Leap Day, one day before the franchise or transition tag designations are due. So as of this moment, as we're recording it, the Eagles have not used either on Sam Bradford or any of their free agents, but certainly there's been a lot of buzz, a lot of rumor mill stuff coming in the last 48 hours. Uh, Mike Garofalo from Fox Sports reported that the Eagles have increased their offer to Sam Bradford, and uh, Howard Roseman and Doug Pearson said that they have been negotiating with Bradford's agents, and then on Sunday night, Ian Rappaport from NFL Network reported that the Eagles are trying to get a deal done with Bradford, still some ways to go. But if they don't go that route, that they would be interested in Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Chase Daniel and possibly acquiring Nick Foles in a trade from the Rams. So to look more into the quarterback situation, Alex, why don't you start things off here? Yeah, I think uh, we all knew that once all the teams headed out to Indianapolis for the combine, that things would really pick up with all the agents being there and all the decision makers being there. So as you said, C-Mac, Mike Garofalo from Fox Sports said that the Eagles have upped their offer to Sam Bradford. Didn't give any numbers or any years or anything like that, but did say that they were offering him uh, towards the top of what he would get on the market. And I don't think that necessarily means that a deal is imminent, um, but 
personally, I think it would just be a really good move for the for the Eagles to bring Bradford back. Um, and, and when you hear from the fans, if you listen to sports radio or if you go on Twitter, uh, it seems like all fans are really for Bradford coming back or they're really against it. And there, there's no real middle ground there. Um, but personally, I just look at the last seven weeks of the season and what he was able to do. Passer rating of 97, a 10 to 4 touchdown interception ratio. Um, and some people will say, well, well, those numbers aren't great. And they're not great. To, to be fair, they're, they're not the best numbers ever, 10 touchdowns in seven games. But I think what he did kind of goes beyond some of the stats that he put up. He, in the New England game, he only threw for 120 yards, but I think you could make the case that that was one of his best games of the season and really one of the definitely the biggest win of the season for the Eagles. Um, so I think it goes a little bit beyond the numbers. He also showed that you know he really took on a leadership role in those last seven weeks as well. Um, and I just think that, you know, he, I think he gives the Eagles the best chance to win moving forward. Um, I think he can make every throw. He's a little bit more mobile in the pocket than some people think. And I think, you know, as time goes on, he gets more comfortable playing on, uh, you know, his knees that he's had two surgeries on. I think he got even better at that as the year went on. Um, and again, I, I think he's a leader. I think he gives you the best chance to win moving forward. Um, so I, I think I'm kind of on team Bradford right now. I think I'd like to see him back here. Um, I like what he could bring to this team, and I'm interested to see what he could do you know, with uh, a fully healthy offensive line, a new-look offensive line, uh, maybe some new weapons on the outside as well. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see what this guy can do because I think the talent is definitely there with Sam Bradford. I would say this. The Eagles have been adamant since the start of the offseason that they want Bradford back. Mm-hmm. From the time Doug was hired to everything Harry Roseman, everything that the Eagles have said publicly has been they want Sam Bradford back. Now, many of you might be thinking, well, why not use the franchise tag? Why not use the transition tag? The challenge with that would be it's only for one year, and it kind of sets the floor for where the negotiations would be. Because mm-hmm. I think there's no question from a town standpoint, yes, and I agree with you, Alex, that you'd want Sam Bradford back because I do believe he gives you the best chance to win in 2016. I think all the moves that the Eagles have made this offseason, extending or doing new deals with the Zach Ertz's, Lane Johnson's, Vinnie Curry's, so on and so forth, Malcolm Jenkins, you know, it's helping the team win now. And Bradford, I think, does give you the best chance to allow Peterson to get off to a good start to his head coaching career in Philadelphia. But the contract, the value of the contract, does come into the play with the salary cap. Sure. You know, everyone wants to know when is Fletcher Cox going to get his new deal. There are other free agents who are about to hit the market that you have to consider re-signing. You're going to want to do something, some things in free agency. And as mm-hmm. Harry Roseman said, the combine, you don't want to just sign one player, and that's it. So there are other holes that they have to fill. So the value of the contract has to come into play here, and it has to be right for both sides because Bradford wants to take advantage of being a free agent, but the mm-hmm. Eagles certainly understanding the market, want to give him what's fair. Because the Eagles have always taken care of the quarterback position. Sure. Going back to following the team through the Donald McNabb era, they always made sure that, you know, over time, even when McNabb's contract maybe was starting to pale in comparison to some of their top quarterbacks, they would redo the deal. You know, when Kevin Cobb took over as the starting quarterback or was going to start as the starting quarterback in 2010, they re-upped his deal because they didn't want him making less money than other quarterbacks on the roster. So the Eagles have always done a good job of taking care of the quarterback here on this team. You just have to find the common ground. And I think it's a matter of, is Bradford, want, is Bradford set on getting to the open market and, and feeling what's out there? Or does he really want to be here in Philadelphia and want to get a deal done that will be fair for both sides? And at some point, the discussion has to be had that, Regardless of how you feel about Bradford, if you're a fan, 
the Eagles need a quarterback at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, no look, question. They, they, you know, if you if you don't bring Sam Bradford back, the Eagles need a quarterback. So you know, you can look at the NFL draft, and you can look at some of the big names. You know, Carson Wentz or Jared Goff or Paxton Lynch, uh, that are the the three guys that are at the top of this group. It's a 50-50 proposition at best, typically, with quarterbacks in the NFL draft. So you can't necessarily count on that, on a guy panning out, even to be to the level of what Sam Bradford is, which is, you know, in, a, in most systems, a solid starting quarterback in the NFL. So, you know, it's, it's almost a, you know, grass is greener kind of thing to me for a lot of fans as well. You know, we kind of know what Sam Bradford is, but look at, look at Carson Wentz or look at Jared Goff. Those guys don't always work out. So, uh, you know, you could definitely see the situation go either way you have to take everything into account I agree with you the contract value obviously has a big uh, has a big impact on where that can be moving forward but the regardless the Eagles need a quarterback so if it's if it's Sam Bradford that's great and the Eagles don't have to worry about going that direction at the top of the draft remember there's no second round pick so you don't you want to make that first pick count I think there are a couple things to keep in mind here and Fran you kind of touched on it is what are your other options if you don't bring Sam Bradford back we all know about the top three guys in the draft uh, you know do the Eagles take a shot at one of those guys? Are any of them going to be there at number 13 is, is a whole other question. Um, and, and they're a really big risk. And then you look at the free agent market. Chase Daniel you know, has, hasn't been a starting quarterback to this point. Uh, I'm sure that he could be. Doug Peterson obviously is very familiar with him. Um, but some of the other guys on the market, Kirk Cousins, it's reported that he's going to get the franchise tag. He's going to stay put in Washington. Uh, Brock Osweiler, you assume he's going to stay with Denver as well. Um, so just looking at some of the other options, I, I think – as I, said, as I said earlier, I think Bradford is really your best shot at this point. The biggest thing with the draft is you're at 13. Mm-hmm. You're not number two like Cleveland. Right, right. You're not Dallas is number four, San Francisco number seven. You know, right. you, you're not guaranteed to get one of those three guys. So some people will say, well, just take the best quarterback that's there. There's a big difference saying your evaluation of Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Paxton Lynch, you know, if you want to put one of the other quarterbacks in that discussion – you know, you don't know how they feel about each guy. They might be one guy that they're completely in love with, mm-hmm. but again, there's just no guarantee that you could sit there at 13 and on draft weekend and say, we'll hope that he slides to us and have mm-hmm. no plan B going into it. And without a second-round pick to move up to make sure right. you get your guy, exactly. it makes the yes. situation even tougher. Uh, you know, Eagles fans can hope that it's a situation like, uh, what was it, the 2003 draft with, Ro- with Roethlisberger and Manning Four. and Rivers, 2004. Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can hope that it's the Alex Smith, Aaron Rodgers draft where, you know, the bust happened to happen at number one overall and the second quarterback fell down to in the 20s. You know, look, you can hope for all those situations. The fact of the matter is you don't know how it's going to pan out without having that second round pick to, to move and get your guy, quote unquote. It just, it, it limits, you need to find a quarterback. Is Alex Smith a bust? Not this Alex Smith that's with us in studio. Well, this, this goes back to a conversation you and I had. We had as an indie, yes. It's at what point, what constitutes a draft bust? You know, is a player, who was who the example? Well, Arson Palmer was the first person I That was what we talked about. about. I think yes. 49ers fans may consider him a yes. draft bust, but if you ask Chiefs fans, I think they would say that he's no, not. No, 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 you can't, no, Chiefs can't ask Chiefs fans. No, I'm talking about, no, strictly looking at Alex Smith in San Francisco, was I he mean, Aaron Rodgers? No, but he, he did developed. Take him to an NFC title game. He developed into a good starting quarterback. Took much longer than you would have hoped for. And speaking of Alex Smith, that's another point that I wanted to make about Bradford. Is 
what are you looking for him to be as your quarterback? If you're the Eagles, I don't think you necessarily need him to be, you know, 350 yards and three touchdowns every game. Look at what Doug Peterson was able to do with Alex Smith in Kansas City, where kind of a game manager, but they had a good defense and a good running game. And I think that's kind of what the Eagles are trying to build here with some of the moves they made in the offseason, hiring Jim Schwartz as a defensive coordinator. I really think that, you know, they want the Eagles want this team to be a defensive-minded team. And, you know, if you have a smart, intelligent quarterback who can make, you know, make throws when you need them to, that's what Sam Bradford should be. I think if you look at the run game that Doug Pearson is going to bring to Philadelphia as well. Sure. You know, Doug has been on the record saying it doesn't all have to be on the, on the quarterback. You know, you've got the stable of running backs in Philadelphia. We all know who they are. Certainly they'll address the O-line at one point or another. But if you can take pressure off the quarterback situation with the run game, and as you mentioned, Alex, the defense, it can make things a lot easier for the quarterback. Plus, look at the, the, tu- the tutors, the teachers that the quarterback will have in Philadelphia. Between Peterson, Frank Reich, you know, with his background, John Filippo, you know, who's worked well with young quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have three top-notch teachers that are going to help Bradford, whoever comes in here to Philadelphia. So that, and that would be, if you're Bradford, that would be another reason because you're already familiar with the landscape of Philadelphia. Right. You're familiar with the locker room. The guys in the locker room have spoken so highly yes. of him mm-hmm. since the season. End. Jordan Matthews, Zach Ertz, Malcolm Jenkins, when he got his long-term mm-hmm. deal. They're all like, we have to have this yep. guy back. Jason Kelsey said it, too. How, how could you not want to come back to the situation knowing that, okay, maybe you have to learn a new scheme, mm-hmm. which maybe could be similar to what he first learned in St. Louis with Pat Shermer, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that Pat Shermer and Doug Peterson kind of come, are kind of cut from the same cloth. There will be differences, of course, but that you'll have all those teachers involved there. So. And really, no matter where Bradford goes, unless he goes to San Francisco, he's going to be in a different system. And even what they run in San Francisco might be a little different than what Chip Kelly ran here. So I think if you look at the chemistry that he has with the players around him here, even if the offensive system is a little bit different, uh, I think that would bode well for Bradford moving forward. Certainly. All right, so we're going to transition from the offensive side of the football to quarterbacks to something that happened on defense while we were in Indianapolis. The Eagles released veteran linebacker, D'Amico Ryans was acquired in the 2012 trade from the Houston Texans. Top-notch leader, you know, came back from the Achilles injury, played, I think it was 14 games this past season, started 13 of them. Uh, But the Eagles trying to manage the cap, you know, have some tough decisions to make, and, you know, D'Amico unfortunately will not be with the team in 2016. Yeah, and certainly the, the consummate professional. The three, all three of us have dealt with him in, in different avenues throughout his career here in Philadelphia, and obviously a great guy to great great guy to deal with. But then also uh, such a great player for for the years that he was here. Yeah, uh, a guy that was a leader of that defense. So very very sad to see him go from a personality standpoint. And then also you know that that leadership. But you saw other guys start to take some of that off him uh, this past year. You saw Malcolm Jenkins obviously step up as a leader. You see Vinnie Curry start to step up as a leader. Uh, some of these other players inside, I think Jordan Hicks, obviously the, the Simba to his Mufasa, uh, is a, lot of, a player that a lot of people are going to be looking forward to moving forward. But when you look at this linebacker position as a whole now, we talked about it in the past, it's an area where the Eagles were going to need to add, continue to add depth. Now that certainly yeah. is, is the case. You, know, you look at Michael Kendricks, Kiko Alonso, and Jordan Hicks. They brought back Najee Good. They re-signed him to a short-term deal. Now what else do you have there at that linebacker spot? Moving into a 4-3 scheme, you're going to need to supplement some of that depth on the back end. The thing is with Jordan Hicks emerging, yep. that kind of paved the way for yeah. this move to happen. How he said the biggest mistake you want to avoid is releasing a guy and then not having someone to take his place, 
to replace that production. Yep. Jordan Hicks, you know, should be fully healthy by the time the off-season program begins April 4th. Uh, was such a playmaker for the Eagles, was, was a gem there for this football team. You know, made tremendous plays against the Dallas Cowboys. That's going to endear you to the fans anytime you do that, especially as a rookie. Um, so just you see him, you know, transitioning to that role as a leader and uh, taking over the middle of that defense. And the Eagles, by everyone who talked at the Combine, seemed pretty confident they'll be able to do that. Yeah, and I, you look at just, just the depth chart overall, I'll be very, very intrigued to see how this linebacking group looks in, in training camp. Yeah. You know, once, once free agency comes by, once we have the, the draft and we see what players they bring in, you know, who's going to be the strong side backer mm-hmm. in this defense? Who will come off the field in nickel? You know, will it be... Uh, you know, would Benny Logan come off the field in nickel? Will one of these li- <clears throat> will one of these linebackers come off the field in nickel? It'll be very, very interesting to see the different combinations up front in that front seven uh, for some of the sub packages, and uh, it's it's going to be interesting. But Hicks is a guy that certainly you know you guys know I'm a big fan of. Uh, I'll be very, very intrigued to see how everybody fits into this defensive puzzle. I think right now we would say Hicks is in the middle. Yep. Kendricks and Alonzo are your outside backers. We'll wait and see what's, what happens with the draft and free and see sure. if anyone gets added to the mix. Uh, last thing I'll say about D'Amico is that's the type of player, type of person more than anything else that you want young players to emulate. Oh, yeah. You know, I'll say it's about my, my two young boys are eight and six. I mean, that's a guy in the locker room that you say, hey, if your kids turn out like D'Amico Ryans, it's pretty good. Yeah. So no definitely question. no question we will miss him. Uh, I saw Les Bowen report from the Philadelphia Daily News report on Indy that he still wants to continue to play. Best of luck to him, certainly down no the question. line. All right, so my thing here on three and out, uh, Dave Spadaro did a good column while we were in Indy on kind of, you know, we were, Fran and I were focused on the draft and what's going on in the combine and the workouts, um, you know, after Howie and Doug spoke out there. So Dave kind of, you know, brought things back to something more Eagle-centric and just took a look at the roster and who are some guys flying under the radar and I figured we'll just hit on a couple of these guys as we're, you know, you know, getting ready for free and getting ready for, for the draft. And the first guy that he mentioned, I think, is a guy who's going to be very much in the spotlight these next couple of weeks with free agency getting underway, and that's Eric Rowe, mm-hmm. who was a second-round pick a year ago, you know, was put into the starting lineup late in the season after Nolan Carroll's injury. Um, thought he developed, played very well down the stretch, and you almost say to yourself, you know, hey, you got Byron Maxwell coming back on the one-corner spot. I would say you put Eric Rowe at the other spot, you'd be good. But with Walter Thurmond about to hit free agency, mm-hmm. is there a chance maybe do you move? Is does Rowe have more value as a safety in this defense? So I think that's going to be one of the key things to watch here um, as the offseason gets underway. I think the way that you look at it is you have a good feeling that Eric Rowe is going to be a starter for this defense. Mm-hmm. Now yes. it's where where else can you plug in holes if you bring in another player that. You know, or let's just put it this way: If you have the ability to acquire another starting caliber corner, and then you know, okay, we can plug this guy in a corner and put Rowe at safety. Great. Mm-hmm. If you have the ability to acquire a starting caliber safety, you feel mm-hmm. good. Okay, let's put him next to Malcolm Jenkins, and we can keep Rowe at corner. So Certainly. it's good to have that kind of flexibility there. You know, and an interesting name to, to keep in mind there is also Nolan Carroll. Yeah. yeah, Nolan Carroll's a guy who's been here. He's proven that he can play that outside corner spot. So if and he's, I believe he said that he really wants to come back and stay with the Eagles. So if if you can get Nolan Carroll, a guy who's been here, who's you know familiar with the players around him, and you say, okay, we can put him back at that corner spot. We can shift Eric Rowe to safety. Let him learn from Malcolm Jenkins. That that's 
a pretty good situation, I think. And keep in mind, too, with Nolan Carroll, obviously the ability to be able to play inside as a nickel or dime player gives him a lot of value. Sure. I told you guys I'm working on uh, the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast on sub packages and the value mm -hmm. there. My piece, my Eagle Eye in the Sky piece, will be on that same exact topic. Looked at the, the Eagles' schedule this past season. Okay, then I looked at all 17 games. The Eagles' defense this past year was in sub-package 65% of the time. Wow. The opponents that the Eagles went up against, so the, Eagle, the uh, opposing defenses in Eagles games, 17 mm. games, 90% of the time were in sub-package. Mm. Now, obviously, that had a lot to do with the way that the Eagles played offense. Of course. But just gives you a look at how valuable uh, the sub-package groups can be. Uh, for defenses in the NFL. Well, it's becoming your base. Yeah. That's the thing. Is. It's, mm -hmm. it's almost you don't consider, was it the, the Cardinals? Yeah, whose, right. Like dime package was essentially their base their defense. Base defense. Yeah. They sure. played that more than anything else. So uh, a couple other players, you know, at the cornerback position, he mentioned Byron Maxwell. How is he going to bounce back from uh, his tough 2015 season? Uh, Ja'Cory Shepard and Denzel Rice, those are the guys you look at as, he puts them together as one, but, you know, Ja'Cory Shepard was supposed to be your nickel guy. Mm -hmm. going into 2015, and then he had the injury during training camp, uh, was out for the season, you know, that's a position that Malcolm Jenkins had to handle, and maybe it kind of, you know, limited your defense in terms of flexibility of what you can do in that, talk about the sub-packages there, not having, you know, the bona fide nickel corner they could trust out there. If he can emerge there, that's a huge boost for your defense. And then Denzel Rice was a rookie for agent last year, the team was very high on, you know, played well in the preseason, earned a spot on the roster. Um, you know, is he a guy who kind of takes the next step and, you know, could be someone who is in the rotation for more playing time? The name that I the, sorry, the name that yeah. I love that Dave brought up was Trey Burton. Because mm -hmm. a player that was on the was on the active game day roster week in, week out last year because of his ability to play special teams, mm -hmm. but then also showed the athleticism to be able to be an impact player in the passing game. We saw that against the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving with a couple of big plays through the air. I think Trey Burton is a guy that, you know, whether he's as a tight end, as a fullback, however he's used in this new offense, I think that he has the ability to be a lot more productive and really something that we haven't seen here in Philadelphia over the last couple of years. Another guy that can be a little bit of a Swiss Army knife and be mm -hmm. a matchup problem inside. And Burton, like Rice, is an undrafted free agent. Yep. Another guy that, you know, it was a priority for the Eagles to sign after the draft. They brought him in here. Like you said, Fran, does a little bit of everything and does everything pretty well. So um, I'm really excited to see what Trey Burton can do. Uh, you know, are they going to use him as a fullback, that H-back slash, uh, you know, do everything kind of guy. Uh, and then those two guys in secondary, really interesting as well. And Ja'Cory Shepard. Correct me if I'm wrong, he had an injury right before the draft in that kind of or his senior year. He hurt his hamstring down at the Senior Bowl. Okay. First day of practice in Fairhope uh, down at the Senior oh, Bowl. Okay. Uh, hurt Maybe his he hamstring got some wacky shrimp on the way. Yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> right. So uh, hurt his hamstring and that hurt him during the draft process. That caused him to fall down. Right. So, that, I mean, that's, that's an interesting so thing So I as think well. he's a guy, well, he was, I think he was, ended up being a six-round pick, so fans may not be, you know, the casual fan may not be entirely familiar with him, but Ja'Cory Shepard, I think, is really a name to watch heading into this uh upcoming year. Well, I think they were becoming familiar with him because of the fact that we were getting so much pub. He was yeah. getting so much pub and yeah. he was working in with the first team as a nickel defense. Mm -hmm. So um, going along the same lines as Trey Burton is Darren Sproles. Sure. You know, it's one of the other names here on Dave's list. I'm not going to go through every single one, check out the column, very good stuff, but uh, the last guy I'll touch on here is Darren Sproles just because how will Doug and Frank utilize these mismatch type <laughs> of guys? I think that's something that's you know, maybe the previous regime could have done a better job with. Sure. Um, I remember when the Eagles traded for Darren Sproles. My, I remember hosting 
it was we had a live press conference. I forgot what it was for. We were taking phone calls, and this is one of the rumblings that they're committed Darren Sproles. That Darren Sproles would be available. Mm -hmm. The big question I had at the time was the age. Would the Eagles look at him and say, you know, he was 30 at the time. You know, New Orleans didn't seem to want him. You know, from the age standpoint, would he be able to come in and fit in Philadelphia? And how much would you have to give up then for a player like that? Mm -hmm. But when we acquired him, I said. I go back to the wild card loss to the Saints back at the end of the 2013 season and looking at Darren Sproul, I said, that's the one guy that I felt Chip needed in his offense. Mm -hmm. That they need that like mismatch type guy who can work so well in space. And I still I just feel like that never really fully developed. I thought there was going to be more emphasis on the two tight end sets. You know, I thought, I thought Chip was going to kind of emulate what they do in New England. Um, you know, I thought, I thought that never really fully materialized. Um, you know, but taking advantage of guys like Ertz and Darren Sproles, I think that's something that I'm looking forward to seeing what the new regime does, especially hearing Doug and Indy say, you know, you can't take three running backs and make them yeah. one. I think that was one of the most interesting quotes that came out of uh, what he said at the Combine. Yeah. Because they're, they're three very different players, and I know, you know, Ryan Matthews and DeMarco Murray are more similar to each other than they are to Darren Sproles, but they all bring something different to the table. I think we saw last year that Matthews you know, can really turn that corner and get to the outside. DeMarco Murray is really good when he's just going straight ahead, putting his, you know, squaring up his shoulders and, and rumbling ahead. And Sproles can do a little bit of everything. And I, I do think that uh, under the previous regime that all three of those players were kind of used interchangeably. And, and Chip Kelly even said that in some of his press conferences, that you know, Deuce Staley would just kind of roll those guys through, and it didn't matter who was in there. It wasn't going to affect the play call. And I think under the new coaching staff, that will change a little bit. All right, so I think that's going to do it for us here on 3 and Out. Now let's get into your questions on mailing it in. Captain, incoming message. Please check your mailbox. A new message has arrived. And now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in our segment, Mailing It In. All right, so we solicited for this Leap Day edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast your questions to dive into, and Alex, you have a couple of the ones that were sent to us. I do. First one comes from Henley Rodriguez on Twitter, at Henley125, who wants to know, can Jordan Matthews be a legitimate outside wide receiver in a pro-style offense? And to me, I think he can. Uh, I think that's a position that he played in college. He's been really good in the slot. Um, you know, I think there's some stat where you know wide receivers all time in their first two seasons, I think he's in like the top ten or top five all time of total receptions in the first two years. Um, so I think he can be dynamic both inside and outside, uh, and I'm really excited to see what this coaching staff does with him moving forward. Yeah, I mean, great size, good athlete. You know, the biggest thing, the reason they drafted him was to win those those matchups inside where you're going to be matched up typically against smaller guys. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to use that big frame, I think you can, the same thing applies to the outside. I think what's just going to help him is that, Teams, I think, kind of realized what routes he was running last year. They kind of knew, all right, he's lining up this slot in this down-distance situation. He's going to be running one or a couple things. And I think teams were really prepared for that and able to kind of game plan him out of the offense. So I think just adding more variety to his routes, I think, will definitely make him a better weapon in this new offense. I'm excited to, to watch him run a, a conventional route tree uh, and see how yeah. he's able to separate. That'll be that'll be very, very interesting to watch with Jordan Matthews, both inside and outside. All right. And then the second question that I have here comes from Corbin Springer at KJ Springer 23 How many years do you think we should offer for Sam Bradford's contract? And, you know, I, I don't know if, if, you know, 
if you know four years, five years, I don't know if that makes a difference. But I think the real question is, you know, is it going to be a one-year kind of prove-it deal for Sam Bradford? No. Even though that's kind of what he did in his last year here. I think he was, you know, in the last year of his contract, it was kind of a prove-it year to see what he could be on the market. So um, it doesn't look like the Eagles are going to use the franchise tag on him. Um, so I, I'd expect if Bradford is indeed the guy that the Eagles are going to bring back, and he wants to come back. I'd expect kind of a mid-range contract, maybe four, four or five years, somewhere around there. Certainly. I, I think there's still a prove-it element to Bradford. Sure. You know, even though we Absolutely. all, I think, agree that he's the best option for this team in 2016, it is a new coaching staff. You did see just one year, and, and really, I think we're kind of going off the promise of what the second half of that season was. Mm-hmm. One, not only was he more productive on the field, but like you mentioned about the leadership, you know, he really kind of took to the locker room, really kind of took control of things, that, that especially the last month of the season, I would say, uh, when he came back from, from the injury. So, you know, I don't know the exact years, but I still think the Eagles are probably saying, look, you know, they've got to keep their options open because of the injury history and because sure. they want to see, you know, the full season, you know, of Bradford working in a new offense. But for Bradford's side, he's not going to do a one-year prove-it deal because he deserves more than that because I think he's played well enough to deserve that. Um, but I don't know if you're, you're not sitting here saying it's like an eight-year deal that's going to lock right. him up and make him right. an eagle for life type thing. So, sure. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so we actually got a couple other questions as well. One from, uh, from Herbert at Herbicidal on Twitter. Okay. Lane Johnson and Zach Ertz were given extensions both from the 2013 draft. What are your thoughts on Benny Logan? Big, I was about to say, do you, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Benny Logan. The thing is, is you can't obviously you can't restructure everybody at the same exact time. Correct. Howie Roseman's talked about in the past that you, know, you ideally you want to get some extensions done early, so you're not having to do them all right when they when they all expire at the same time. I would be very very surprised to see Benny Logan not here, you know, for a second contract. So uh, at some point he, will, I'm sure he'll get done, you know, in the, in the near future. And, you know, he's a guy that I'm a really big fan of as a, as a uh, run defender. But then also, as a pass rusher, remember, a lot of people saw him as a future three technique and a 4-3 coming out of LSU when he first came here mm-hmm. in Philadelphia his rookie year. How did he first get noticed? Because of his ability to get after the quarterback. So I'm excited about Benny Logan in this scheme. That's, that was my biggest thing. It would be how will Logan transition mm-hmm. to a new scheme. Because I think that's the one thing that we have questions about. We all know Fletcher is going to be outstanding. Mm-hmm. You know, Graham, Vinnie Curry, obviously those guys are going to be stalwarts. But the guys like Logan, Thornton's a free agent to be, even though Thornton's played in both schemes, you know, the Bo Allens, the Taylor Hearts, those guys, Brandon Bear, how will those guys, you know, perform in a new scheme? I think that's something that we're all waiting to see. But, I mean, Logan's been, you know, outstanding contributor, no question about it. Well, and think back to all the, the penetrations, all the sacks, all the TFLs that he has gotten over the past couple of years on those stunts. And we know that the stunts are a big part of what Jim Schwartz likes to do on defense. Uh, the next question I got from Glenn Kaysen at GKs14 on Twitter. I think the Eagles need to find a 4-3 Sam linebacker. Can Marcus Smith play Sam? Well, I mean, Fran, you watch, you watch the tape in college. You might be better suited to answer this question. I think of, uh, I think of Marcus Smith as more of a defensive end in this scheme. Yes. The guy I would gonna, agree. guy's going to put his hand down in the turf and just attack the quarterback. And I think we saw... Some, I, I go back to that last game, and you know, fans might say it didn't mean anything, you know, the, the Week 17 game against the New York Giants, but I thought Marcus Smith actually played really well in that game when he kind of had extended time uh, to get out there and play. So um, 
we'll, we'll see what happens this offseason and, and, you know, what kind of shape he comes back in and, you know, how hungry he is to really get back out there on the field. But um, I've said it before, but I, I'm not ready to give up on, on Marcus Smith yet. But um, getting back to the question, I think he's much better suited as a defensive end rather than a, a Sam linebacker. Yeah, I think you want him moving forward as opposed to moving backward. And a, and a Sam linebacker in this scheme is going to spend a, a lot of time in space. I think you want Marcus Smith trying to get after the quarterback. So that'll be a, uh, definitely an interesting player to watch for sure. When training camp and preseason and seeing how he's adjusting to the new role, I think will be very, very exciting stuff this summer. I mean, he's going to come in as a forgotten man. Yeah. You know, rookie year, first round pick, the pressure of that second year. All right, you're going to show some upside. You know, what are you going to turn a corner? What's it going to be? I think at this point, fans are kind of like, if we get anything out of Marcus Smith, great. Mm-hmm. But they're not expecting it. So it's really up to Marcus and maybe the new regime, the new scheme. Maybe he'll be a guy who flourishes in it. Some guys, look, some guys take, take longer to develop. Sure. I know fans don't, don't want to hear that. But for some reason, some rhyme or reason, it just happens. There are guys that just, you know, bloom later. You know, Brandon Graham, a great example, a mm-hmm. guy who showed now he showed flashes early on, right. had the ACL injury, but really didn't come into his own until the end of the first contract. You know, maybe maybe they'll be the case with Marcus Smith, but um, you know, you look at the depth chart right now. You know, Curry and Graham, you figure are the starters. Mm-hmm. Barwin's going to rotate and be in there. Maybe Barwin's in that Sam linebacker mix, uh, but. There's going to be an opportunity for Marcus Smith. Is he going to seize the opportunity? That's the question. Can he be what Jerry Hughes was for Jim Schwartz in Buffalo? Which That's a great comparison. Was a former, former first-round pick. Didn't work out in Indianapolis. Obviously had to change teams, but had a career-high 10 sacks under Schwartz mm-hmm. uh, in Buffalo in 2014. So. And, and if you need somebody to motivate you and really get you going, I think Jim Schwartz is a pretty good guy for yeah. that. So. It's not too shabby on that regard. So. <laughs> no. uh, is that it, gentlemen? That's it. Sure. All right. Great stuff from you guys out there. So thank you once again for listening to another edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Again, make sure to let us know what you think of the podcast or rate it wherever you consume our podcast. Eagles Insider coming your way on Mondays. Eagle Eye in the Sky Tuesday. Journey to the Draft presented by AAA on Wednesday. And Eagles Live with Dave Spadaro comes your way Thursday. Why don't we have a Friday podcast? We can work on it. Let's, yeah, we'll, we'll put our brains together and we'll get something. We'll come up with something down the line. So, again, on behalf of... Fran Duffy, Ox Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast.